If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are talking about sustainability in relationships. We're going to be talking about all the things that you need to know to create long-lasting, fulfilling relationships, whether you're monogamous or polyamorous. I'm Dedeker. I'm Jace. And I'm Emily. And I think I'm the only clear-headed, not-ill host of this podcast currently. (laughs) I think that is I'm not ill. No, but Emily's just had like a 17-hour work day, and uh, which includes also some musical theater. Jace is on his deathbed. Yeah. He's I've in his death shroud already. Been, I can see it. I've been dying. It's pretty cute, actually. Yeah, I've had a super high fever all this weekend. Literally, this is the longest stretch that I have been out of bed in two days. Jesus is, Christ. You did it for us. <laughs> I did it Thank for you. you guys. Thank yeah. you, Jason. Yeah. Well, Jason, your hard work, all of our hard work does pay off because exciting news. We just broke a hundred thousand total downloads on the multi-amory podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I wish we were in a more energetic state to celebrate that. <laughs> right. We yes. should have party music that plays right there or something. Uh, oh um, man. All right. Well done so, everyone. So yeah, well done. Thank you to all of you listeners out there for helping us achieve that. Or maybe thank you to the one listener out there who's downloaded us 99,000 times. And thank Mm. you to the rest of you who downloaded us once. You're also amazing. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, All of you are amazing if you helped make that happen. (laughs) Okay. So let's bring it back around to what our main topic is. So sustainability in relationships. So what the heck is sustainability? Um, I'm asking that because I feel like the term sustainability cropped up into the kind of pop culture psyche within the last five to 10 years or so, mostly in talking about the environment, right? In, you know, sustainable travel or sustainable food production. Um, Or sustainable buildings or sustainable farming. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, sustainable farming. That's, that's one of them. Um, So I looked it up. Yeah. I looked it up and it says that um, the usual definition comes from something called the UN Brundtland commission. Brundtland. (laughs) And again, they were defining it kind of in definition again to environmental factors. Um, But they said that sustainable development specifically is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Um, So I actually really like that definition. So it's kind of like something a little bit more complex than just like thinking about the future. But it's kind of like, what can we do? Like, what are the decisions that we're going to make right now that is going to make us happy right now, but also isn't going to shoot us in the foot for later, essentially? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that even even using the word development is not completely inappropriate for relationships. You are developing a relationship together. Always. We've talked about a lot. Yeah, is that idea that you the two people in a relationship are building that relationship or in a larger, more, more person relationship, they are building that relationship. And we could say developing that relationship. It's not like a prefabricated structure that you just jump into. 
two people deciding to be in a relationship at all times. So when we take this idea of developing a relationship and sustainability, um, you know, like what are some questions that we could ask ourselves right at the beginning when we were thinking about this topic of sustainability and relationships? And the first one that came up is, is it sustainable to expect that your relationship will always feel the same? That this particular relationship will always feel the same. Yeah, like are you always going to want to be polyamorous or is the polyamory that you're doing always going to look exactly the same? Or is this or partner going to be, you know, like we've talked about with new relationship energy, is this yeah. partner that feels so just like high on love chemicals right now, it's not always going to feel that way. That's not a sustainable way of approaching that relationship. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just going to lead you to be disappointed and think something's failing in that. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, or what it reminds me of is I think one of the first times I ever encountered even the phrase sustainable relationships was, um, Deborah Annapol's first book on polyamory. Um, and cause she kind of marketed it essentially as like, you know, that, that shifting more into non-monogamy is a more sustainable relationship structure, um, which could be argued, you know, I think on both huh. sides of the fence, there's pros and cons. Um, but part of that being that, you know, when you're in the throes of NRE and you're with someone, you think like this person's perfect. They're going to meet all my needs, like every single need I ever have, like they're mm-hmm. never going to disappoint me. And this is how it's going to be for the rest of our relationship. You know, like yeah. maybe it's not sustainable to think that way. And sure. unfortunately we have a lot of pressure from our culture from a very monogamous culture to expect that like, well, you need to find the person who is going to just make you feel that way all the freaking time in your relationship. Um, or at least the person who you're willing to compromise with enough to stay in that relationship forever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, obviously there's kind of more newer schools of thought that are kind of arguing like, well, maybe this isn't a reasonable expectation to make of one person, you know, or maybe it actually isn't really realistic that we're going to be able to find a relationship where we feel like it's NRE all the freaking time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite example of that from a monogamous standpoint was an example that an older client at the salon where I worked in Seattle said this is an older woman and her her thing that she said once I thought was really cool was um because she'd been married, you know, to her high school sweetheart for sixty wow. years or whatever. Uh and you know, someone asked her like how what's it like being married to the same person for your entire life? And her answer was she's like, Oh, oh I haven't. I've been married to like fifteen different guys. They all happen to be uh-huh. married they all happen to be named Dave and they all look basically the same, but he's been a different person and has changed mm. significantly through these 60 years. Yeah, and so I've, like... I've been in relationships with all of them. <laughs> so I thought that was a cool... That's an interesting way to put it. Like in That's thinking good. about expecting that it will always feel the same, you know? Yeah. It's just realizing yeah. that they are going to change and allowing both of you to change might actually keep it more exciting. Yeah, no, that's true. That's interesting. So my question is, like, when we talk about sustainable relationships, does that mean that we're heading into every relationship with the expectation that it has to be long term? Mm. Uh, I mean, I think this is a great example of a place where people normally don't think about sustainability, but actually really could when you're thinking about relationships that either you don't know if they're going to last or if you're pretty sure that they're not. Maybe there's a you know time restraint that you probably can't be together or you just kind of have that feeling like I think this will be more of a casual relationship Interesting. Uh, that by thinking about that in terms of sustainability, it means being able to handle that type of short, shorter term, more casual relationship where nobody feels 
cheated or lied to at the end of that or, or misled. It's about mm-hmm. having that person who, you know, you could either look at it as, especially in the poly world, which is a little bit smaller than the monogamous dating world, everyone kind of knows each other. And if yeah. your partners speak highly of you, that's going to, that's gonna you know, be much better for you as far as getting other dates with quality people in the poly community in the future. Um, and then also just for your well-being of getting to stay friends with this person and maybe later in life you could have a relationship with them again. You know, it's just there are so many more doors that don't get closed, I guess, if you do approach yeah. even your short-term relationships from this sustainable viewpoint. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that I think a part of sustainability is not just what's sustainable for the relationship, but like what's sustainable for the individuals, as in if this is going to be a short-term relationship what's going to be the most sustainable way to make it so that like we're not just super hurt, you know, at the end of it, or we feel used up again, or we, or we feel lied to, you know, like what's Mm going to be the thing that's going to make this, even though this relationship is short term, that's still going to make it so that we can sustain our happiness as individuals. Yeah. Even after the relationship had already escalated. That's a great point. And that kind of leads into the last question that we were talking about, which is um, what motivates you through, like harder moments, challenging moments, even in long-term relationships, short-term relationships or whatever, because especially in polyamory or in any type of relationship, you're going to have difficulty and what constitutes sustainable practice or whatever, when Mm -hmm. things do get tough, Mm -hmm. you know, what makes you continue doing what you're doing and what makes you get stronger from it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a question that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Awesome. Okay, let's get back into sustainability in relationships. Um, so the first topic that we have here is the idea of decision making for the long term and not just yeah. the short term. So again, with that definition is meeting the needs of the present. <laughs> I almost went to outweigh the needs of the few. I'm like, wait, no, that's not it. Uh, <laughs> this is the fever talking now. Uh, <laughs> oh God, it's we want to. Yes, 
<laughs> we want to meet the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations or of us in the future to meet their mm-hmm. own needs. Um, so what are some examples of this? Well, so this comes up for me a lot if I'm in a moment where I'm feeling jealousy mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah. Um, whether it's a small amount of jealousy or, you know, a big crushing amount of jealousy, you know, I still experience both even after yeah. many years of being poly. Mm-hmm. Um Kind of thinking like, you know, in the short term, it would be really easy for me to make a decision just to make me feel good right now. And that could be anything. It could be like, I'm going to ask my partner to not go on a date with someone Mm. or I'm going to ask my partner to break up with someone. Well, I don't think I've ever thought about that personally, but, you know, people do, Um, you know, because it's like a good like short or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's a good short term fix to my my nasty feelings that I'm feeling right now is I'm going to reach out and I'm going to like ask my partner to do something, to change something, to pull away from this other partner or to kind of stop doing the thing that's making me jealous. Mm -hmm. Or say like, will you not have sex with that person or something? Yeah, exactly. In the short term, like sure, it could be a solution probably in the short term. Um, it'll make you feel better. Um, if you remove this very specific thing that is making you jealous. However, when you think about the long term, this isn't really a sustainable practice. Um, because you can't just like every single time you're feeling jealous or every single time you're feeling threatened, it's, you know, there's only so much that your partner's going to tolerate of you just saying, well, yeah. stop doing this, stop doing that. Don't see this person. Don't text this person. Don't sleep with this person. Um, yeah. right. And you're not some people have, being very fair in that relationship. Exactly. No. Yeah, exactly. Some people have higher tolerance for that than others, but ultimately it's just not a sustainable practice. And so I have to think about um, like, okay, so what's the choice I need to make? in order to kind of help me feel better in the present and help mm-hmm. me feel healthy and help me feel good in the present. But that also isn't kind of shooting this relationship in the foot for the future, you know, yeah. because like, I know that I want to create a relationship where my partner trusts me, where my partner feels safe and where my partner's yeah. partners feel safe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where they don't feel like the ax is going to come down, you know, or, or that their plans are going to get canceled on things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's actually a really, really helpful kind of viewpoint to have for people when they're feeling jealous of of not just thinking about like, how do I solve my jealousy problems right now? But thinking about also what is going to be sustainable, you know, like, is the thing that I do this time to fix it? Is that also going to work next time? Is that going to work 50 more times? You know, things like that. Or is it something where you can actually start getting at the heart of that, even if it doesn't feel like it's as perfect a solution as getting rid of the cause of it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, But even if it's taking some small steps toward actually improving like the fundamental cause of that insecurity. um, And that could be a whole variety of things. And we've talked about that on some other episodes, but that you're actually making steps toward a better, healthier, more sustainable relationship rather than just putting on band-aids over and over. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. And where this sustainable decision making comes up as well is at the beginning of relationships when choosing partners specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, something that I went through for a long time um, when I was kind of in my trial and error phase with polyamory is that when I would date people, I wouldn't always be completely upfront about the fact that I was poly or that I identified as poly or that this is what I wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like I was so terrified of rejection. Yeah. And I was so terrified. Yeah. Yeah. Of not being liked, you know, and like, I just, I wanted to be liked. I I didn't want to be rejected. And so I would kind of soften things. I would sugarcoat things. And in the short term that did work great. 
Um, <laughs> because uh-huh. in the short term, it meant I got to have like, you know, total awesome falling in love and are your relationships, new budding relationships, mm-hmm. but it was not sustainable whatsoever. Cause eventually yeah, you can't like lie to someone about that forever. Exactly. You know, eventually, and sometimes it wasn't even lying. It wasn't even necessarily that I was telling people, yes, I want monogamy. It was just that sure. I would kind of fit or I'd kind of give them this very watered down version of what it was I was looking for. Yeah. But the thing is, in the long term, that would come out, you know, right. and it would come out at a worse time, which is when feelings have been developed and there's been yeah, an when investment. You're getting really out. invested. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that's definitely been something with other people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where I kind of try to think about like, sure, in the immediate, it would feel really nice to have this person fall in love with me or to start a relationship with this person and to get those kind of good, you know, those good warm and fuzzies of starting a new relationship. Mm-hmm. But this is not going to be sustainable in the long term. Right. Yeah. And we and we talk uh, a lot on the show about being upfront about being poly as soon as possible. Ideally, before yeah. even asking the person out, like bring it up in conversation somehow so they know what they're getting into um because of that yeah exactly if you try to do that thing of like oh wait till the second or third date or wait till on the first date or you know something it just you're opening up a lot more possibility for yourself and the other person feeling hurt Uh, and then also you're not setting the relationship off on a great foot in terms of trust Mm -hmm. Um, so in terms Mm -hmm. of sustainability being as upfront as you can as early as you can will also instill more trust in the other person I know we need to we need to move on. I'm just going to hit really quickly mm-hmm. with the sustainable decision making. Also, yeah, when it comes to uh, conflict resolution, yeah. and this one I think is the hardest for most people. Um, <laughs> I really encourage people to find some kind of system for communicating when there's conflict. And it, this may come out of you know if you go on your, our website, you can find our you know five ways to suck less at communication. Um, sure. It could be NBC. It could be mirroring. It could be. Um, you know, Jason and I just started trying out Scrum, which we'll introduce to you guys in a couple episodes. Um, yeah. But having a specific kind of system to fall back on so that when conflict arises, um, you're not resorting to emotional conflict resolution, as in it doesn't sure. get to a place of like insulting or raising voices or slamming doors or or being passive aggressive. Throwing things or whatever. Throwing things, you know. Um, but basically, so that it doesn't hit this point of doing small things that do hurt the relationship. Um, right. that, again, these same things of like in the in the short term feels good, vents your emotion, vents your mm-hmm. anger feels good, but in the long term really is not sustainable. Um, or even saying something like, hey, I'm okay, fine, I'm not going to do this thing, or I'm not going to date this person, or I'm not going to like, like omitting oneself mm-hmm. of a polyamorous thing that you actually do want to be doing just to kind of like placate mm-hmm. the situation and say like, Hey, I'm not going to do this see, thing yeah, just being, to make someone yeah. feel better. Right. Being on the other and side that may of be, that. Yeah. That may just be a short term solution, but really in the long run, it may not be sustainable at all. Yeah. So the next thing we wanted to talk about was flexibility within a relationship um, and how it pertains to sustainability. So, a thing that we all talk about a lot is um, trying to let go of getting this other person to change. Like a good question that we can ask ourselves is, can you love this person even if they never change from this moment forward? I know I've been in a lot of relationships where I feel like, fuck, like I'm just continually doing the wrong thing. Like this person is always telling me what they wish I would be doing more or what I would mm. be doing less. Um and, you know, it it would be a good thing to ask someone like, hey, can you love me even like 
as I am or um, if I'm not going to be changing from here on out. Like, obviously, we're always hoping to evolve and to change and to move forward and be better. But if that weren't the case, could you still like love this person and stay in this relationship even if they never changed? I I personally, I think this is something that's easier to handle in a non-monogamous situation. Yeah. That, that's because... Why do you because, think that? Well, I mean, we always talk about the fact that you can get different things from different partners. Sure. Um, and I know something that I've learned is that not all of my relationships have to look exactly the same. Um, you know, so like I even though like I want ABCD, I don't need to force each partner to give me ABCD. If that makes sense, maybe mm-hmm. in this relationship, it's okay for me to just get ABC as long as I'm also getting ABCD from someone else. Um, sure. Or D so from that, someone else. <laughs> you want to take it that way? <laughs> I guess I walked into that one. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, that one up. Totally did. It was a layup oh, and Emily dear. just tapped I it in. Used, I should have used XYZ. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think for myself, I found that it's a lot easier for me to have this flexibility of of not trying to like wrangle somebody or fit someone into a box or change somebody's shape when when I have kind of a broader scope of getting my needs met a little more holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that doesn't mean that if you're in a monogamous relationship, you can't have the same sense. Um, I think it is more of a process of like letting go of, of maybe the little things. I think JC, you had a good example yeah, of this. Good point. Well, yeah. And that's what I was going to say is it's, it's interesting. You said that you feel like this question kind of applies more in polyamory. Cause I actually feel it, it applies more in monogamy or at mm-hmm. least more in like a sort of more longer term, more invested relationship. Like it's been a few well, maybe years, maybe you're living together. Question. Well, I think it's 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 in polyamory. Well, maybe I, I'm not sure, but it's because the question isn't about like this particular question is not about getting what you you know just getting the things that you need. You know that's an important question too. But this is more about like say you're getting really upset over some little thing, like that they you know leave their socks on the floor and don't put them in the hamper. Or, you know, whatever it is, or they never remember to change the oil on their car, and so you have to do it. You know, there's a million things it could be. <laughs> but you can get really upset about this when it's a romantic partner in a way that I feel like most people don't with their friends. And it's part yeah, of what we talked sure. about in our romance ships episode about kind of where are ways that we treat our friends better than our romantic partners and vice versa. Yeah. I think this is a case where sometimes we're harder on our romantic partners in terms of those little things. Unquestionably. So well, asking, big things, too. Well, yeah, sure. But so asking this question of, like, can you love this person even if they never changed putting their socks on the floor? <laughs> then if your answer is yes, then maybe it, that kind of allows you to let it go a little bit. Mm. <laughs> um, and then also, while we're on the subject of monogamy... Um, I did want to share a story that I heard um, several times, actually, on the New Man podcast, which is by Trip Lanier. And he, uh, he's he been married for quite a while, and he talks about his relationship with his wife a lot. Um, they are not poly. I, I think they've they've maybe done like a little bit of open stuff, but they're not they're not poly. They're monogamous. But he told this story about how when they were engaged and they were getting married, he had that sort of typical anxiety and apprehension of like, oh, God, like, I love this woman, but 
is this really it? Like, is that game over for my sexual life after this? You know, all those sort of normal fears. And that he kind of, you know, calmed that down. They had the wedding and they were on their honeymoon. And while they were on their honeymoon in Maui or wherever, um, he saw like these two super gorgeous young girls in bikinis walk by and mm-hmm. was like kind of having that thought of like, well, fuck. Uh, and his wife turned to him and was like, you think they're attractive, don't you? And he's like, Obviously. Uh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, she's like, that's okay. Like, you can tell me that. Like, I don't expect <laughs> you to stop being attracted to other women just because we're married. Like, kind of pointing out the difference between your feelings and your actions, I guess. Um, But he said that that took a huge weight off of them and opened this whole channel of communication for them. That if they're feeling attraction for a coworker or something, they can actually just talk about it, even in a monogamous relationship. Um, And that, I thought, was a really neat approach and one that really made a lot of the points we make relevant to monogamy. That's lovely. Uh, Yeah, no, that's interesting because I I do think that... um I don't know, because the topic of even sustainable monogamy is still such a hot topic, right? Because everyone's mm-hmm. trying to figure out, like, well, how do you maintain the attraction? How do you oh, sure, maintain, yeah. you know, just enjoying this? About. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just enjoying Brad this person. Brad and Angie broke 20, up. 30, yeah. 40 years. Oh, God. I don't even want to dig into Brangelina. <laughs> um, I'm just saying the two most attractive people on the planet fucking couldn't stay together. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly, looks are not everything. Apparently I don't know not. if I've learned that one yet. Um, Probably because they don't listen to our but podcast. I think, yeah, but it's kind of like we're kind of operating this realm of like, well, you just kind of got to hope that you found the right person. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And we don't really talk about like, well, you know, what are the things that we can be talking about and how can we be defining monogamy that might make it more sustainable? You know, like if we are kind of understanding that, okay, maybe we won't, always 100% of the time 24 hours a day be attracted to each other yeah is it okay for us to be attracted to other people um or even okay for someone else yeah exactly is it okay for us to flirt with someone else you know I, I think that we try to really encourage people even in monogamous relationships to sit down with their partner and really talk about what that means to them you know right. what what does monogamy is mean crossing to you? the line exactly, exactly or what is yeah crossing I've, I've are you gonna get oh no, I was just going to say, like, I've heard so many stories um, and experienced things myself of someone doing something and while they're doing it, kind of justifying why the thing they're doing isn't cheating. Mm. And it's just <laughs> really? it's just that weird because no one ever defines it. Like, they're like, well, mm. because that person wasn't touching me, they were just holding a toy that was touching me. Like, that's wow. not cheating. Right. Like people. No. Yeah. Seriously. Wow. Literally. That yeah. is literally a thing that I have heard. Um, that, yeah, like when you don't define it, there's this whole world and people could have vastly different or maybe similar views. But so we do encourage monogamous couples to talk about that. Just have that be an open discussion and communicate could even change over time. Yeah. You know, during times in your life when you're feeling more or less confident or something like, Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is this really beautiful thing and being able to like be flexible with your partners and saying like, Hey, you know, if you love your friend deeply and they are, 
you know, having a difficult time and you want to hold them for a bit, mm. you know, that's not cheating. That's just like mm. being there yeah. for someone. Yeah, totally. And, you know, if you're in a play with someone and happen to kiss them <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I mean, very relevant, example. very relevant right example to Emily. Sorry. Parker. Yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> you know, that's not like the end of the world or whatever. Like it, it's more just a, Hey, I'm, you know, we're attracted to each other and um, we're in the moment or whatever during this scene and happen to do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, um, it being able to like speak about that and actually have an open communication is something that I don't always think monogamous couples think about. And mm-hmm. just to have the idea in your head, like, Hey, this is a relevant topic and I think it will create like sustainability over, right. you know, a long yeah. time. That's huge. So definitely. Yeah, definitely sit down with your partner if you're monogamous and say, so yeah. if I were to be in a play, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter that I'm an IT professional, but if I happen to be in a play someday right. and need right. to make out with someone, we feel about that. Yeah. Um, really though, I'm maybe not. Out some stage, what do you think? <laughs> right. Right, but yeah, just have that conversation about what monogamy means to you. Like, what is cheating and what's not? And get specific about it and realize it's a talk you can have again in the future, that it can change over time. Yeah. Uh, But open up that dialogue now before it's like, well, I thought that was fine, and now you're upset with me, and that kind of argument about who's right or wrong over something that was never decided in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so to bring it to kind of our last point here, um, something that I really think helps bring a sense of sustainability to relationships. And again, this is whether you're poly or monogamous or anything in between um, is a sense of commitment. And we've talked about commitment on the podcast before, because commitment is one of those words that usually confuses people because we associate commitment usually with sexual exclusivity. You know, we think like you're committed. Okay. That means you're getting married or you've decided (laughs) to officially become boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, you've decided that you're going to have this monogamous relationship from here on out. However, commitment goes a little bit deeper than that. Actually, much deeper than that, I feel. Um, You know, for me, within a poly context, I feel like commitment goes to a place of knowing that I can trust my partners to be there, even when things are tough, and also my partners knowing that I'm going to be there, even when things are tough. You Mm -hmm. know, even when somebody's feeling jealous or even when we disagree on something that knowing that I'm committed, that both of us are committed to being like the best possible partner and that we're both committed to creating a good relationship. Um, Right. That's what commitment means. for me, And that's what helps me feel like, okay, this is sustainable is that knowing that like when conflict arises, it doesn't mean everything's going to fall apart. It means that there's a way that, even through the ups and downs of life, even through the ups and downs of people's moods, even through the ups and downs of what happens in your whole relationship life, that this person is still going to be here for me and I'm still going to be here for this person. That's what it means to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think that part of making that commitment too, it does allow you then in the future to go into conversations. And if you do start to feel attacked or maybe falling into some old patterns you had from past relationships or something that you can kind of remind yourself, wait a minute, this person did make a commitment to me to try to work with me to resolve conflict. Um, And that's something we've talked about. So like, I know that that's what they want to do, even if they're not doing it right now. And I know Uh I don't always do it perfectly, but kind of knowing that that's something you've both committed to and even maybe saying that and kind of bringing it back to that saying, Hey, you know, we both, 
I'm, you know, I'm feeling hurt or attacked right now. And I know that you've committed to work with me to help resolve things. And I know I've committed to do that with you. Can we take like a 30 minute break and maybe do some writing on our own or something and then come back and continue this discussion? Um, And, you know, approaching it not of like saying you need to chill. So let's take a break. (laughs) But like (laughs) we've made a commitment together to do this thing. Yeah. Could, can we, you know, try to help ourselves keep that commitment? And it can hopefully, like, I know that I have a lot of insecure moments sometimes in relationships, and I'm like, well, fuck, like, they're just going to leave me because they're clearly upset and they just mm-hmm. don't like me. But to be able to, like, realize, like, hey, they are committed to me and to step back and see the bigger picture, in essence, which is something we've been talking about, mm-hmm. and to be able to say, like, hey, I'm they've committed to me. I've committed to them. Like it will be okay. And this is a moment in time, but it's not the, the necessarily the truth or what it always is going to be. Yeah. That's a really Mm -hmm. important thing Mm -hmm. to remember and to realize. And then I guess the Um, the final, and then kind of the, Oh yeah. You were just going to say the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I was just saying like the final thing is that for me, it it also includes a commitment to myself for personal growth. Um, Mm -hmm. sure like a commitment to myself that I'm not going to just back down from whatever it is that's making me uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And I mean, this is something that can extend into so many arenas, right? You know, like if you want to get healthy by like exercising more, eating better, it requires that kind of commitment where it's like, yeah, this sucks in the short term, but it's going to be better for me in the long term. And that's yeah. kind of how I feel when it comes to when I'm having my moments of insecurity or jealousy of mm-hmm. knowing like, yeah, I am having a weird emotional reaction right now, but if I just like stick with it and maybe talk to my partner about it and like nurture myself through it rather than having a knee jerk reaction of trying to like fix it right away or get rid of whatever it is that's making me uncomfortable right away, that yeah. I know that this is going to be better for my life in the long term, just in helping me to accept things and helping me become more secure in myself and helping me be able to take care of myself a little bit better. Um, yeah. That's something that I kind of picked up from my meditation practice also, you know, mm. kind of the sense of like, even though I'm sitting in like this really uncomfortable position <laughs> that I know that if I can just like settle and chill and stop fidgeting, that then it's going to be okay. Um, mm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. So I think, so that's my thing that gets me through the moments of when Polly specifically feels more frustrating or feels darker is knowing that like, this is a learning process and that this contributes to my growth as a human being. God, yeah. Isn't it all a learning process? <laughs> Seriously. Always, <laughs> always. It's it never stops. It really doesn't. Like the <laughs> older I get, the more I realize like life <laughs> is just one yeah. fucking giant learning process. Yeah. And you're never going to like win at life. You're just going <laughs> to try to get better every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I'm really excited about a future of sustainable agriculture and relationships. Right? (laughs) Go vegan. Uh Yeah. Um, If you want to join our Patreon before our next monthly discussion group, which, as Dedeker said, is on October 9th, um, you still have time to do that. Uh, So please go sign up at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Multiamory. Um, and join the tiers that allow you to be part of that uh, video discussion group. Or you can do one of the lower tiers that lets you into the Patreon-only Facebook group, which is also a great way to have um, text-based discussion instead of video chat-based. 
Uh, but thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you at the discussion group and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.